everybody, and welcome to another episode of Try to True, a podcast hosted by Delaware Wormshade. I am your host, Paul. I'm Erica. I'm Dan. Uh, and Andy is uh, on his way. He's running a little late, but he'll be joining us at some point. This feels really, really weird. Like, just this, this whole, yes. whole setup, but uh, <laughs> we're going to roll with it. For everyone who's here, you know, th- uh, thank you for joining us today. We want to go ahead and go ahead and give a little shout out to More Than Dice for giving us another platform. And you can check the show notes for other podcasts if you're interested for even more War Machine content. And if you're on the YouTube on the live stream right now, thank you for joining us. And if you're listening on a podcast app and you didn't know, consider subscribing to our YouTube channel. You'd be able to hang out with us. We do these live streams. You'd be able to go take a look at all those battle reports. Really, really funny shorts that Eric has been working on. She did one about dinosaurs lately, which is absolutely hilarious. We liked it. And we want to go ahead and give a shout out to all of our folks on Patreon. We, we've had a lot of a lot of newcomers come up, and you know we really appreciate your help and support. All your donations helping us out, be able to push out more content, allowing us to be able to go do stuff. So really, really appreciate it. So thank you so much. And if you didn't know, you can go ahead and see us over on Patreon. You'll see it in the show notes. I mean, it's like a like a buck in order to go ahead and you know take a look at some of the new stuff. Three. I think it was like $3 or something like that to be able to, we're starting to like vote on content. And actually because of our patrons, we were able to go and get the specific episode. And then finally, let's go ahead and thank our sponsorship, Tabletop Armory. If you go ahead and go to Tabletop Armory store, go ahead and take a look at the show notes. You can go ahead and use the code TRIEDTRUE10, it's down there in the show notes, to go ahead and get some sweet Tabletop Armory swag. They got some pretty cool stuff. They got some train templates that we've been using. We're going to be showing them off on the future uh, battle reports, as well as some really cool widgets that you're able to go ahead and use. They got objective health bar markers. They got three rings. They also, I believe he does bulldozer terrain as well. So if you want to go ahead and pick up some sweet 3D terrain, you can go ahead and get that there. And I think that's all that stuff. So guys, this, this we're on the YouTubes. This is this is this is very different. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm making words at people. Yeah. um, Thanks, everybody, so much. This year has been really big. So it kind of just started as my brother and Andy playing in the basements kind of ballooned to this whole thing. And we're so thankful for the the community and all the support that uh, everyone's given us. All the feedback completely blew our expectations. So we're we're very thankful for for everybody. So thanks a lot. Thanks for being here tonight. Yeah, like just to echo that, like it's it's wonderful. Ryan, I appreciate you. You're 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 a beautiful person too. <laughs> uh, so let's just go ahead and get into it. Uh, one thing that's really funny was that Primecast Twelve released what is it, like February twelfth or something like that, and we recorded the We're Back episode the day before. So we were like, oh, how much is the subscription going to go be? When are cards going to happen? And literally after we recorded, the Primecast came out and it gave all that information. Like, well, we'll still push this out, and we're we're like at least using that a little bit more of a better idea on trying to figure out when's the best time to record, so that way we can talk about the Primecast releases and hopefully even the Primecast Plus stuff. So we can go and talk about that. Go ahead. Yeah, we're, we're not clueless. We're just time travelers. Oh, yeah, there's it. That's how it goes. <laughs> so I have to go say, I think originally we, I thought it was like going to be like 10 bucks, but $5 for the premium content was like so much better. Like, that, like what is it? Like a less than a Starbucks coffee? Such a great deal. And I ended up doing like the math behind it. So More than $5. Why, God? But I mean, like I, I did the math on it. So it's if, if you go with it for a year, that's $60, right? And then 
with between us four, probably all doing the premium content, 240 just from four players right there. I really do think PP is going to have a very healthy stream of revenue with this that will only help them be able to create more content. So I'm really excited about that. They finally discovered what every other business has already known for decades. Best money comes from repeat users, right? So the, the more they can put good content out on this app and make it available to us via subscription, the more they're going to see this investment in Mark IV pay off over the long run. <laughs> and then, Dan, how about uh, the most exciting news that they said it's going to be coming in April? Oh, my God. I get cards soon. Thank <laughs> God. I, I just I miss being able to look at paper and have dice rather than staring at yet another computer screen because I do that eight hours a day already. And hopefully <laughs> we'll be able to have them right before the brawl. And then what about all the other stuff that they were talking about? Erica, what do you think about like the Battle Forge, the monthly scenarios, the lore updates? Like what what have you been really excited about? Uh, I'm really excited to take a break from Steamroller. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's probably not a, a big surprise for our immediate community to kind of put cards out on the table. I'm not feeling the Steamroller pack for Mark IV. It just doesn't feel like it flows together as well as it did in Mark III. So being able to play, like practicing our Nova scenarios, or by the way, Nova, guys, come on, gotta go. Got a dinosaur here too, just in case. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to an alternate way to play. And I feel like at least with our local gaming community, those are the nights and events that get the most draw and people that come to the store is when we're not you know, practicing steamroller, doing steamroller scenarios. So I'm super looking forward to the narrative event, especially since we have so many new and returning Mark 1 and Mark 2 players. Like we had 15 players come out on a Tuesday night this past week. Yeah, it was bustling yeah. out there. It was great. Yeah, it was, it, it was starting to get tight on that side of the store. So Remember that time traveling thing? I thought I was in 2014. <laughs> yeah so um yeah shout out to the community rye rye maryland war machine you know uh came up to to shoot a battle report with us this past week which was a lot of fun There's yeah so i'm looking forward right to now, it actually ryan's here i think i saw rick in there um I see sam's well, there too sam yeah hey uh, oh, <laughs> now. nice no thanks guys dave as well Man, yeah thank great. you so much yeah thank you <laughs> but what i'm also excited for is that so doing a lot of the research that I've been doing in order to go and try to make some of this terrain for our battle reports, I've been picking up all these old No Quarter magazines, and they used to have those dossier files. And I found some really cool ones. I saw one about Sorsha, I found one about Krios, and they were just really, really cool and interesting reads. And I was really grateful to be able to go see that. And you know, a little heart missed that I didn't have the ability to go see as many note quarters as I did at the time. So I'm very thankful for what I've been able to go see. But the fact that they're bringing back those dossier files and being able to go and show more lore of those characters, like those, those little articles were so much fun, like little fun, little tidbits of information, little fun reads. I'm excited to get even more of that. And that and the narrative campaigns, I, I cannot wait for these alternate styles. Ryan, I know that you and I, we did that that scorn on scorn, like four buildings on four buildings thing. It was not Steamroller Man, but I had so much fun playing that. So I am looking forward to so much more ways to enjoy this game. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's also a more immersive feeling into the, the world of Iron Kingdoms in itself, as well as the game, you know, again... 
my first tabletop crush, my first love was Mordheim. So it kind of brings back a little bit of that feeling from when I first started playing tabletop games. And we had to play with like some kick butt terrain, right? We got some really cool pieces of terrain uh, Paul's been working on. Shout out to Jason over at uh, Steam and Sorcery. We got some of his buildings that he had sent us. That's going to be on a battle report coming out. So it gives you more like flexibility and more like, I don't know. And the tables look nice. Oh, and that's the other thing, too, with these scenarios and different terrain. 3D terrain churns heads. So when we start using these more intricate thematic tables, we are getting way more interest. People passing by asking about when our group gets together. And that's really helping to draw appeal. So if you're kind of struggling at your store, that might be some things to help make the game more appealing for your passerbyers. Yeah, I, I agree about the... Um the narrative play. Um, I really enjoy that feature or aspect of the game every once in a while. For me, I think that Steamroller, especially the packet that we've had that's so similar now for the past, what, four years or so, Steamroller can often feel like you're doing your homework. And when I was back in college, someone told me, you know, when I was getting started that you'll never remember the nights that you're doing your homework. You'll always remember those nights that you skipped your homework to go and play with your friends. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of what uh, narrative play can feel like to me. Um, it's an excellent breath of fresh air. It gives you a new puzzle to solve. It's really entertaining once in a while. I just don't think I can do it every single day. No, and that's, that's fair. I think everybody kind of goes to the table for a different experience. And I know with me, I'm very glad that the 3D terrain has really been gaining traction at our local location. Because when I'm there on a Tuesday night, and I'm playing with my toys, I want my toys to be in the most realistic environment that it can be. And sure, it might not make for the cleanest measurements or the cleanest play, but I know that I'm getting that much more enjoyment with that. So I, I, I get it. I think everybody has a different interest that they want to go ahead and have or, or what they want to get out of it. And just because your interest is to go do that narrative kind of pretty play one day doesn't mean that it's you know it can change i mean when we have our team event right we're, we're gonna have to go and try to play our, our best list and figure out our meticulous movements and all that other stuff so i'm really looking forward to that it, what, what else was there uh, i remember did, did they say anything about new variants of models am i am i thinking that incorrectly i thought they said like alternate poses of arms is that happening or not i remember i think i remember what you're talking about was it that uh, after the original run of the resin they kind of mixed up their formula a bit and they were able to get some more poses out of the jacks so they that's that's they what have it was a slightly different pose in the second run than they did in the first run but don't worry about it it's still the jack you know Gotcha. Okay, so that's what it was that I was thinking about. Yeah, no, well, I'm excited about that. But I mean, even then, so the uh, the character jacks themselves, I'm excited for that. Was it Morgoth or, or Mordev? What is, what is the, big old, the, the big old guy with the mace? I cannot wait for that. That guy's going to be smacking things around. I cannot wait. Mother bear. <laughs> right, Erica, be strong for mother. Yeah, I don't know. Um, every time I play Winter Quarter into Andy, I always take that mace with the crit effect. And every game, I happen to crit Andy, so I get to hear him like complain about that. So hopefully, this new weapon mace also has a critical effect on it. So. <laughs> All right, and then I guess the other big release that they talked about. How about those guard towers? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, they're great. Um, <laughs> I've played one game with them over. We were at Maryland actually with crit hit. So the joke for me, so I play Grimkind, right? So I'm kind of very limited on my uh, my gun output, and guns are kind of like the thing right now in Mark IV. So it was really cool to actually be able to play Hollowman and 
have them kill things in a game and not die. So that was that was that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, so I picked up two. Um, I got one painted at our store, and we got a chance to to play around with it this past week. But up, oh, speaking of Andy, he just got home. But going back to the guard towers, it's really cool. I don't has has there ever been terrain like that before? Like I, again, for your Mark One players or Mark Two players, has there ever been something like that where you could go inside of a building and then it gave you, I guess, bonuses at that point? Yes and no. In I remember in Mark Two, they did have stats for the buildings. I remember them doing something that was kind of like a Dungeons and Dragons book, where the if it was a wood wall, it had so much thickness, it had so much uh, damage or hit points or whatever and it was just really really cumbersome so i think that the rules that they've assigned to the guard tower in comparison to what we've seen in the past is really really neat um it's nice and succinct uh, usable and i'm really excited to see what it adds to the game i mean i think what are they end up saying like they're trying to streamline those rules so maybe they thought that those it was encumbersome with having that wood and the stone and stuff and i, I mean for those of like D, if you ever talked about hardness and stuff i've never played with those rules but i know exactly what you're talking about because they were just so frustrating yeah. to to, to not- even deal with yeah but no i think that how they have the guard tower set up is really exciting and i'm just really looking forward to what else they have in the pipeline because i think the overall reception for the guard towers i think was actually really high and i'm just looking forward to seeing what other pieces of train that they have right and i mean at least for like from like a rules point of view right erica you said that you use hollow men and they actually stayed alive with it and that was actually a, a Nice they, surprise. They, they, they didn't just stay alive, but they actually killed things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, oh, by the way, Andy's here. Let's say hi. Hi, everybody! Yay, Andy! <laughs> hello, hello. Gang's back um, together again. We're talking about the guard tower right now. We are. Um, I'm really hoping they bring out the uh, the actual full rules for it. I know we got a good primer on them, but I'm, I'm hoping that we can because we've, we've been trying to get it on the table, but like without complete interactions without knowing all of it it's sort of a question mark when somebody goes what happens when i do this i'm like (laughs) i'm not sure (laughs) so i remember that it says that it's an obstruction and i believe that obstruction rules is that it blocks all your line of sight but i see that there is a hole at the bottom part of the guard tower so does that mean that it still blocks line of sight to everything behind it so probably as it currently stands i would still i would still treat it the same as a house yeah no and trying to wait trying to shoot through it yeah, but it's just like, though, visually, though, there for me, though, because doing the 3D train, there's a disconnect, at least for me in that case. But that might just be, I just learned to work around that. Um, oh, real quick, we had someone mention in our chat that uh, they wanted to see more hobby videos and stuff. So there's there's some support for that idea you had, Paul. I mean, do we want to just go ahead and share what we have going on? Yeah, sure. Yes. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like so- in the chat if you want to hear the secret sauce. Uh, so yeah no one of the things that happened so when tabletop armory helped us out and hooked us up with the terrain bases for nova i said hey man like is it possible like would you mind if i make like a video like talking about how i'm using it to go make some of these tables for nova and he said yeah go for it it'd be great like i'd I'd love to go and see my product in person and that's at least what we end up doing with the graveyard and seeing how much good reception it was i said okay well let's go ahead and make a theme table using these terrain templates so right now i'm actually working on henchhold as a map now it's 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 very much in its 
infancy on what I'm working on, but I have like terrain bases, I have forests, I have trees, I'm eventually going to go work on rubble pieces, eventually work on the actual hanging stones that you think about with Henchhold, and uh, I've been getting a lot of good information, so lots of cool surprises with that, I'm really looking forward to it, so I, I can't wait to put that out. So we already did the the how-to guide for the forest and the terrain templates and walls. And if, I mean, if that's good reception, heck, I'll go ahead and, and do more. And I can show you the other different pieces with that. Uh, again, we're just kind of getting feelers and seeing if that if that's something that the community wants. And then going back to Patreon, people end up saying, like, we would like more. I think there was, like, a terrain uh, topic, if I'm right, Erica. You're the one who does the, the, the voting on that. Yeah, yeah. So that was one of the topics that we put a poll out for. And, yep, that's uh, train was on there. Yeah, no. So I, I'm looking forward to if it. You, so if you want to get involved in those polls and things in the future, hit up that Patreon page. Yeah. And I, I mean, it, it's it's great. We, we, we knew that there was an interest. We didn't know that the interest was as high as it was. So, I mean, if the community is interested in it and you want to go ahead and, you know, use that tabletop armory stuff, like, again, their terrain bases are great. They It's pre-cut. You, all you got to do is texture it, paint it, and then just go to town on it, and they're good to go. And nothing against, like, I guess, other styles. I just like making a cohesive table where all the pieces look like they're part of a set as opposed to maybe a mismatch of things where you might have, like, desert terrain here and a rock pile over there and a forest over there. And it just doesn't really, like, it doesn't fit. You know, you put, like, winter pieces on, like, a green map. And, again, it, that that's the experience that I'm looking for. So and then let's, uh, let's go back to the other big topic are we what was our initial reaction of unlimited and you know looking at the encyclopedia that was mercenaries no thank you it was a lot <laughs> it was a lot to take off. i i was like a deer in the headlights i started looking i was like i got the mercenaries i was like oh no oh no please no yeah i i went into unlimited going oh cool new things and then i scrolled and i was just like this isn't what i wanted this is not so so when um, we were looking, we were talking about the unlimited uh, stuff on Tuesday night. I was like, "Oh, look, guys! Every week can be food machine." But like, I mean, I get like it's a fun different platform, but it was very overwhelming to bring up the the Merc Unlimited. The, yeah, it, it, it just it just reminds me of the everyone at Portal is going to be running that. That's that's <laughs> literally that's all I could think about. The jank is strong with them. <laughs> yeah, it is. But the the disconnect, I guess, that I had with it was. My first gut punch reaction was that I saw it and I said, it's just like if you were to make a Mark III list and then you just look down and see your mercenaries and your mercs and, you know, the the options were there. But the fact that hordes got rolled into that now, that's where mercenaries looked as overwhelming as it is at this point. And I think that that's why, like, mercenaries is kind of, like, as weird as it is. But I think maybe the other factions might be okay. But you'd have to put them on the table and actually see at that point. I think, you know, when you have, was it McBain or, you know, any of these guys like running gators at this point, Drake McBain, he's the guy who does like the super tough turn. Am I right? Like that's the yeah. tough, you don't get knocked down. Like with that in Archons. I'm more scared of, of Magnets 2 uh, using his killbox feet and making me choke on gator flesh instead of steelheads. Like gross. My uh, my favorite was over the, the this past weekend. We were filming at the house, and Pete just goes up to like where I keep all my Merc models at my shelf, and he's just looking at it. And I'm like, "So, Pete, do you see something you like?" He's like, "I can take the Commodore now." <laughs> like, just deadpan. No, God, no. <laughs> don't do it, Peter. Um, so, like the last time we had anything like this in the game was Mark II. 
and you know there was a subset of mercenaries available to everyone's faction and you could put whatever resources you needed together um at the time there was also not really an excellent influx of information on the internet about the game so you would have pockets and metas that would you know you'd commonly see a lot of the same mercs like in the same area of course you know iris was everywhere but you know when wasn't she um, and th you would go travel like across state lines or to, you know, the, even the next neighborhood where the next group of people play. And you'd find out that you're not seeing any of the same lists anymore. I am really, really interested in figuring out what happens when that plethora of options like goes head to head with the modern internet and all the resources people have to share, um, the things that they're successful with. I think it's going to get nutty. By nutty, you mean broken, right? Yeah, it's going to get real busted real fast because people are going to distill the best available options down very quickly these days, I think. And you're going to see the return of uh, Merknar instead of Signar, um, and it's going to go nuts. I mean, a lot of people are going to thrive in that, and if that's your bag, more power to you. Uh, to me, it's too much to pay attention to, and I'm probably going to end up sticking to Unlimited. Or at least if I... or Sorry prime at least if i play unlimited i might just stick to prime style armies where the majority of my stuff is kator anyway i think it just helps me unpack the game a lot better if i do play unlimited it's probably just to get an archon or two on the board just for uh for the flavor nowadays since they're, they didn't make the jump and i think what i would end up seeing happening we did this on a tuesday night we would end up saying like andy you want to go get a game in let's not make something super dumb busted like let's just go have fun again like it's a different format for that kind of flavor i think as long as you're upfront with your opponent like i think that you'll go to the table with a wacky list and you'll just have fun with it but i i don't know on a highly competitive format i don't know because it's, it reminds me of mark three where i think you would end up you know you're saying the internet distills that best list you might end up having that best list but then somebody finds out an answer for that list with hopefully there being an answer at that point so yeah. I do like your point yeah. there, Paul, because I do miss playing like in Mark three, you have a large stable of casters for every faction. Mm -hmm. If you're playing prime and only prime in Mark four, your list diversity, if you're playing only one faction is going to be stale very quickly. So when I play protectorate, I'm playing Sevi and redeemers and then I'm playing Serenia and a whole bunch of knights. Those are my lists. There's not a whole lot of, all right, I'm just going on a random open play day and I want to drop one of the Fioras and some random nonsense and just have some fun. Yeah. It's not something you can really do in Prime right now. I mean, and even there's kind of been an argument that we could just go to the table like, Andy, I'm going to go play Legions of Dawn, but I want to run it with Corshave. Do you mind? Like, And it's an unlimited match at that point, but everything else is lockstep, like everything else at that point. So we would definitely do be, be unlimited, but again, as long as you have those dialogues, it shouldn't be an issue. But I don't know. I'm interested to see what other release rules end up happening in the future with yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, which is why I think from a from a steamroller perspective, I don't think we have any plans of running unlimited steamrollers. But from an open place perspective, I think we should encourage people to dabble as much as they can and at least, you know, playing their old stuff still. Yeah. I think one thing that Paul said is very important. We we need to make sure that, you know, when you show up to the table, you talk with your opponent. It's a conversation. Uh, are we okay with unlimited? Are we not? You know, it's the same thing, same discussion as what what point level army did you put on the field? Is it 75 or 100? Okay, we're we're the same same size army? Great, okay. You know, as long as there's an agreement, it should be fine. Mm -hmm. All right, well, I think that's all the current events. So the, Patreons, the patrons on Patreon ended up voting 
for the next topic and terrain and hobby burnout was the two that were in the lead and then i think hobby burnout was the one that took precedence on that so you know for those that end up voting on that thank you so much so with that i want to go ahead and disclose this we we're not professionals i think that we've all experienced hobby burnout at one point in our life for a variety of different reasons i think we're just sharing our own experiences and how we overcome that and to get started I ended up doing a little bit of research and I saw that Bell of Lost Souls they, back in 2021. It's Adam Harrison, I think his name is. He ended up putting out an article about what hobby burnout is or how you recognize if you're going through hobby burnout and saying, are you experiencing lack of interest in your hobby? Does it feel like a waste of time? Do, does the thought of you picking up your hobby feel overwhelming that it's not actually fun? Because these hobbies are there to, to be something that you enjoy as opposed to something that you're trying to work towards. Has it felt like a job, right? So, I mean, have you, have any of you guys felt that way before? God, yes. I deal with this all the time. Apparently. Yes. Yes. And actually it's kind of, uh, goes hand in hand with the, like the channel and the video editing and, and things like that. Cause back when we were doing two battle reports a month. So if you look at like our, our older stuff, there's definitely a difference there. I was still filming on, on cell phones, you know, shout out to the cell phones. <laughs> um, but I was getting burned out between like trying to do two of these videos, getting all the assets together and then still trying to play because I still really enjoy playing War Machine. But yeah, no, I've definitely, definitely experienced it. Andy, yeah. you War Machine machine. <laughs> If any of our followers ever had any doubt that, uh, you know, how much Erica loves the community here, uh, every day we record a battle report is a day she doesn't get to play War Machine. So uh, keep that in mind. We appreciate her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Except for when she's on the channel. Once in a blue moon. <laughs> <laughs> I was on it once. <laughs> the, um, but it's interesting because I think about it when they say about it becoming like a job at this point and i kind of felt that way a little bit with the graveyard terrain i don't know if you remember but i think i started it back in maybe late november early december and i didn't finish it until january and the pieces were just in my hobby area and i'd look at them and i would just be overwhelmed and saying like i do not want to go and do them like and, and it just it just sick feeling inside your yeah. chest and you're like Ugh, i don't i'm not right now no yeah, like I'll catch myself if I'm video editing and I start cutting corners or not paying as much attention to what I'm doing. So I've learned that I don't want it to affect the quality of the work that we're putting out. So I'll actually stop editing, do something else and reset so I can come back with a fresh mind because I never want to, you know, when when you're starting to feel that burnout, I don't want it to compromise the integrity of, you know, what we're all doing here. Yeah. And then I guess what I wanted to ask with that is for the times, whether if it's doing the battle report editing or maybe playing the game, do you ever find that there's a specific event that is the trigger of it? Like I'll go talk about like my my graveyard terrain was like, I would do a piece here, finish it, I'll be good to go. I do another piece, finish it, be good to go. And then I was like, you know, I'm going to go do a whole batch and get them all done. And then my whole like staging area which just had nothing but like primed black pieces. And I'm like, how am I going to go work through all these, this stuff? And I know that that was the event that triggered. It's like, I, I felt like I bit off more than I could chew. Yeah, um, it can be easy to get overwhelmed. Uh, another thing that I struggle with is, so like one category of issue, I guess, is things you can't quite put your finger on that's discouraging you from painting or from doing your hobby tasks. The other one that I have is that 
what if there's a very specific thing in your life that causes you to have a difficulty getting back to your painting table? Uh, for me, a lot of my activities after work, when I'm not playing War Machine, I'll be spending some time watching TV with my wife and the dogs. You know, we're both on the couch, but my painting area is a whole floor below in like the laundry room. And I can't do those two things together. So I'm the I'm, exact same way. Do I want to, do I want to spend time with my family or do I want to leave this comfortable environment and go paint? And, and that can make it feel like work and you need to try and find ways around those hurdles, um, to, to make sure that it's not work for you. Erica, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, sorry, just really quick. Um, you're part of this conversation. Don't you worry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I guess you look the hobby burnout. So for me, my burnout actually comes with playing War Machine sometimes, especially when our group is getting ready to compete in a tournament or we're going to a convention. And uh, for those that don't know, so our house where Andy and I live, our basement's like this really cool tabletop war room. We can actually get two sets of games going on simultaneously. It's like, it's our little pride and joy. Um <laughs> Uh, so when we're practicing for uh, tournaments, obviously, the person that I practice with is my husband, who is a significantly better player than I am. So I get my face smashed in quite frequently. And for me, I get burned out, like losing all the time. And then it makes me not resent the the game, but I have a bad, like, I start getting burned out with the game and I'm not having fun with it, especially when I get on like a losing streak. I get him once in a while. I I assassinate him once in a while. It does happen, but I don't have a really good track record. Crit crit slam. Crit slam. (laughs) slam. Another reason why I'm looking forward to Unlimited so we can play some fun stuff and not play, you know, just what I'm taking to the tournament. I think Ryan actually said it right. Is that it's about finding a balance and, I don't know if it's the case. So if, we're, if, we're, if you're just doing nothing but War Machine, I can see you getting that burnout a lot more like like quickly or more common. I, let me let me take a step back. I think having a diverse range of things that you find joy in in your life is what would be able to help you, right? So you know instead of talking about dealing with it, like just avoiding it in the first place, right? So it's like the the saying, what don't put all your eggs in one basket. So you do playing War Machine, you paint figurines, you paint terrain, you do a lot of different ways to express yourself in that hobby, but maybe you have also hobbies outside of it. Maybe you like going to seeing movies, maybe you like going to seeing TV shows or exercising or whatever it is. So I think one thing that's helpful is that you have a good range of things that you're interested in, just so that way when you're maybe on that losing streak or you're painting that 20th model, you're not feeling like you're being, you know, it's not just you're trudging along with it. Yeah. You have other things uh, to go do to entertain yourself. Yeah, um, Sam brought up a good point too in chat with the negative headspace. So for me, when we were, uh, what were we training for, Nova last year and Broker Brawl? Those, those were really close together. Mm-hmm. And I think talking with some of the other like the the WTC guys, the Virginia guys, is looking at it more as like a training opportunity, like to get better. And when I kind of changed it from that competitive head-to-head thing, because Andy, like we play on the same team. So at the end of the day, we're going to be playing on the same side of the table with one another. So separating it that is him as my competitor with just like, he's my sparring, you know, buddy. I'm on a streak right now, guys. Okay, it's a little rough. It's a little rough over here. Um <laughs> 
But uh, changing that that negative headspace from, oh, I'm losing all the time is like, okay, let me take this as a learning opportunity and a walk away from the table with something better. And I found it's made me a better player and it's giving me a more positive, um, you know, I'm having more of a positive uh, outcome after my game. So let, so we already talked about, you know, recognizing, you know, you might have an obsession or you have, you know, you're, you're, you're so hyper-focused or you're focused on the getting that win of it being a competitive game and that could end up affecting your affecting your burnout. Another thing that you might want to keep in mind is are you goal setting? So Erica, you kind of mentioned that earlier where you're saying that instead of like just trying to win, you're trying to get better to prepare for that competition. And you, you know, you're in mind is saying, okay, am I preventing the assassination? Am I am I getting to bottom of seven? Or you know, those are little tiny data nugget points that you're going to that you can kind of pull that that information from and see if you're being successful what about like for let's say like hobby stuff right how do you dan and erica this i guess this goes to you Andy. you don't paint uh is how do you paint your armies though like how do you how do you tackle that elephant you do a unit at a time a model at a time you do batch painting and like how do you not get overwhelmed with that because I found a strategy, at least with my jacks, that I found has been very helpful. But I'm interested in hearing that with you guys. Eric, you uh, want to go first? Sure. Um, so my Grimkin army, I've pretty much painted that on my own, minus a couple pieces uh, here and there, which each have their own little funny story. So for painting, um, actually, shout out to Chris. I don't know if you're in the chat. Chris is awesome. He's a community member of ours, and he's actually uh, painting up a lot of my stuff now, like pretty much my whole Winter Core army. Y'all, it looks great. I cannot wait to uh, share them on the channel and um, online. They, he's doing a phenomenal job. The stuff that I paint now, I find I'm painting more terrain, and I'm actually having more fun painting that than than the little man's, because it's kind of fun like to see that stuff on the uh, on the table at night during open play. But if I do like, so for me, painting comes in waves. So I'm either I'm gonna hit it really hard one week, and then I won't touch it for a month. It, like for me, it comes in waves. No, and I get that. I'll I'm like the same. Listen way. to a podcast. I listen to music, a lot of YouTube shows, and that's how I that's how I get through it. But for now, I have um, Chris. <laughs> Dan, how about you? Yeah, I'm similar, and I will kind of go in waves as well. I'll get I'll get the painting bug, and, uh, and then for a couple of days, I'll fight it, and I'll I'll say, nah, well, maybe maybe I'll wait a bit. And then it gets to a point where it just builds up and I'm like, all right, I have to use this outlet. You know, it feels good to get that creative bug out of your body. Um, and this is a great way for me to do it personally. And then like Erica has described, I'll go, you know, paint a bunch of stuff in a short amount of time and then I'll put it down for a while because, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm getting sick of it and I just need some time away to be able to reset and be able to appreciate it again. Um, and as, as it comes to like individual models and things, I am often most motivated to paint the things that I want to play in a game because I love fielding a fully painted army and I'm always trying to make sure that I have enough stuff painted where I can, uh, you know, have multiples on the field or, you know, a faction allotment. Um, I want to, I want to showcase that, uh, that work in full on the table. So, those are usually things that creep to the top of my painting queue is stuff that I want to be playing. So my most recent purchase or my most recent uh, army, because I'm going to be getting, you know, winter course. So that's going to go and trump the things that are kind of unfinished right now. Um, and I do try to do like one set of minis all at once. I'll do like the same color all the way through. It helps me make sure I'm not missing spots. 
Um, I'll do the same part of the miniature. Uh, and then I'll go back and I'll do weathering effects on everybody. I'll go back and I'll do washes on everybody mm -hmm. because I want to make sure that I'm kind of treating everything the same uh, amount or giving it the same treatment or level of detail. So um, if I, that also gives me a good stopping point. If I need to stop for the night, I'm like, okay, well, I just got the metallics done. This is a great place to stop. The entire unit still looks the same right now because I got through all of them. And then, and then you pick up at a nice pickup point the next day. Yeah, no. And I agree with that. It's funny. You mentioned that with the batches because painting, I had a, uh, take a couple of my score. I think at the, at the Keltari or the guys with the, the, the two, um, the double sphere, I can't remember what it's called, but I never painted those models before. I bought like basically a painted army, but I'm like trying to make sure all the models are relatively close looking to the original ones. And painting all the little filigree and all the armor was just such a, a pain in the ass in order to go do that I would do the same thing. But I would actually just do like three of the guys, like whatever models were in the same pose. I did those three and I did them start to finish and I like kind of wrote down what the steps were. And then I did the next group, you know, group of three, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there was that. Was it Mini Mundo ended up uh, talking about Orgoth? So it's interesting you mentioned this because I'll, I'll use my painting thing for the Orgoth, at least for the new Jax, but I found because you have all the loadouts, so painting the Jax is a lot more daunting, I think, now because you want every single thing painted. But after painting my Tyrant and my Jackal, and now I'm looking at my other list that I'm running, I'm just looking at what loadouts are most common that I'm going to go run, and then I'm just going to go paint those pieces. And if I ever run a tyrant with three swinging flails, you know, because I want to go and, you know, do that guy, then I'll go ahead and paint those pieces. But they'll be on the backside, so that way I don't have to worry about them. So it makes the, the thing a little bit easier to go with. Yeah, it definitely seems like you have more common arms that'll that'll be used multiple times than maybe you'll paint one arm that's only going to be, you only ever, ever going to take one of that ice gun or something like that, Dan, that, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, like, I guess for your question, that's for painting them. I mean, I guess I would go with what pieces I want to go and work with. With the model count being so low now, doing units is a lot easier because they're units of three or units of five. And it's a lot more easier to manage than doing a whole group of 10 with the UA on top of that. And I guess you can also like argue a banner man, right? And UAs that they come out, right? But I mean, just having to do five guys and then like the banner man just feels like a solo on top of that. It, it's not that bad so painting them is not that bad as for them as a faction i'm going to be honest i've only painted like my tyrant my jackal and harusk i've thrown kishtar on the table once i like her she's like my spirit animal because i love range combat and i've never had a combat caster like sabreth before in retribution or in scorn to the level that she's able to go do it so i've only been theory crafting less with them i can't talk about their effectiveness i think the big shtick right now is their quad cannons are like the best weapon i think the best range weapon because of volume fire but i mean that's that i don't know if you guys had anything to go add to that i uh i have yet to play into orgoth yet andy you've played into them right uh During... just once it was a kishtar match and she went all in and she just barely failed the all in and that's kind of how Kishtar works. Either she kills you, or she's way too far up the board and she dies. She gets got after that. Yeah, yeah. it's just, it's, she throws a lot of dice at you. 
Yes, she does. As someone that painted like 12 full units of Winter Guard over the course of my War Machine career. And, and eight units of Doom Reapers or whatever it was. Yep, yep, them too. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to smaller unit sizes, by the way. Oh, I was just going to say too, Dan, oh, the nice thing about the units is it's not, you're not painting like the same model over and over again because they're all yeah. different sculpts. That's so right. that's really, it. so that's really cool too. When um, I did the Winter Core unboxing, I was really impressed that that kind of detail was put into single wound infantry. Hey, y'all, I painted like a couple of hundred Skavens, okay? Like, <laughs> I can tell you stories about single wound infantry. <laughs> so it was really cool to see, like, everybody look different. It was a mix of men and women. Everybody had, like, their own little character with their little flares that they were wearing on their uniforms. So, um, you know, shout out to the Privateer Press team. You can tell that, like, a lot a lot of love and care went into these sculpts. So. Right. For the uh, Orgoth comment, I, I really like um, I, I like the design space of the faction. I think it seems very swingy, like very very uh, spiky. It's hit or miss, right? Very feast or famine. But you know, when it's on, that faction is real on. Like uh, Andy was talking about that. Uh, I think it's Kishtar and her ranged assassination runs. Um, but when it's the famine, you know, when your tools are just not working, it can be really really uh deep valleys for them i think but i feel like that's the intent behind the faction though they want them to get the alpha they want them to be the aggressors they want them to be going all in like that kind of thing that kind of fits their fluff too and that's uh that's really neat i think the way that that translates to the game is excellent um you know they hit the nail on the head with that so they do kind of have that quick stat line where they just kind of have the arms (laughs) fall off (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah don't touch me too hard i don't like it um uh, so I, I have very, very limited experience playing against them, but I am looking forward to getting a lot of games against uh, Orgoth. They're an exciting new faction. And again, I, I want to try that new stuff. Yeah, I was going to go say, like, I think didn't Dark Guidance like just put out a podcast recently and they talked about all the new factions and like the, the things with it. So, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was going to say the last episode they put out, shout out to those guys. It was a very entertaining and informative episode. Mm-hmm. They always are. I love yeah. Loud Chris. He's 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 so funny. <laughs> Yeah, they did a good breakdown of uh, what's strong uh, and why, and they they had a, a a good you know breakdown of of the options that are available and uh, just at the they that that podcast is chock full of great information. So if you're looking for some insider talk from uh, some high level players about what they feel about the state of game uh, of the game, that's a great resource to turn to. It's like one good painting session or, you know, driving to and from work a couple of days. Like that's, that's how I was able to get through it all. And yeah, like I, as soon as I was getting off of work, I like, you know, dialed it back in to just go ahead and listen to it. So now it's a long cast, but it is chock full of content. So Mm -hmm. props to them. Well, I guess with that, so we talked about with your hobby burnout, right? So it's that, trying to avoid it and dealing with it. Is there anything that you think is helpful in order to, I guess, overcome it? Like, how do you get back to the painting table or how do you get back to your game after a losing streak? And let's say that we, they don't, you know, these players or they, they don't have that experience of this is practice. I am, I am getting a, I don't know, like a workout in my game as opposed to it just getting whooped like that whole time. Uh, Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say really quick, just to kind of uh, caveat off of your workout um, phrase, Paul is, uh, so what kind of helps me like, and not just with the burnout, but like with my mental well-being is exercise and eating well, (laughs) as lame as this might sound, that really helps me put myself in a good headspace in uh, all aspects of my daily life. 
because when you're like if you're eating a lot of crap it's gonna make you feel bad exercise helps me out a whole lot to kind of reset and it's a good outlet for me helps with stress reduction anxiety uh so that's that's often an outlet i'll turn to because you want to have that balance back in your life that people were talking about earlier because you don't want that burnout like obsession is a very uh delicate line and precipice you you you, you got to be careful and you have to manage it um because being obsessed with something is uh not necessarily the most healthy way to have that balance i mean it's just like that, that yeah but it's like that imbalance where you spend so much time doing it or you you end up starting dating resentment with the time that you spent doing it and then mm-hmm. you get the resentment like i mean I, I go back to you know it's like you playing your ranked games, right? We were, we were talking about that, right? You're playing your ranked games on your... Oh, don't, don't do this. Don't do this. No, no, no. Don't. <laughs> no, but I'm I just I knew this saying, was going to go to league. I know, I know. But no, but I'm, but I'm just like saying, it's just like that that obsession where you start to... Everyone uninstall league, please. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> One way that I combat um, that, that difficulty of, of staying engaged is I try to make sure that... Well, remember the example I was giving earlier where I said, you know, do I want to spend time with my family or do I want to go down and downstairs and paint? I, I, I bought my way out of it like the uh, red blooded American capitalist that I am. So I bought like a little go bag for my paints and painting supplies. And now I have like a min- miniature mobile painting station and I can move that to the family room with me and get some painting in while we're watching, you know, reruns or whatever's on Netflix that night or something, anything where, I can treat it like background noise and I'm not super invested in staying engaged in that TV show, I can get some painting done. And now I'm able to get that creative bug out of my system, but I also don't have to give up the other things that are important to me. That's a win-win for me. I was going to also say is that Erica mentioned earlier about painting the terrain and having a lot of fun with that. And I got really excited with that is that just having variety in what you paint is actually really, really big. Like, even if you have multiple different armies and you have, like, those models that you haven't paid or even, like, D&D figurines, right? It's just a different thing that you're going to be painting there at the end. And I guess, Dan, because you got the Marvel Crisis Protocol, guys. I mean, like, is there a different level of paint that you put into those models whenever you decide to pick up one of those? And does it feel, like, accomplished when you do those? So, funny story about how those models are so... Uh, dynamic and well detailed and I actually put less effort into painting them than I do these my war machine miniatures because I actually converted to using almost exclusively contrast or contrast like paints for the uh, Marvel stuff and that paint slaps on those miniatures it really calls out attention to all those details and I don't have to do anything so it, it painting those was a great breath of fresh air and it's actually made me find ways to try and start incorporating contrasts into my War Machine stuff with layering it with other effects and other things that I, I like to do to my War Machine managers. But it's been it's been an excellent way to you know take my hobbying to the next step. And if you are an entry-level painter, um, well, I don't, I don't know anything about forming bad habits, but if you're an entry-level painter, um, a good set of contrast paints will take you very far. And you will be able to field a set of miniatures that, you know, you can be proud of and they look good. And, you know, people will throw compliments your way without just breaking yourself down and and learning to be an artist suddenly. You know, so they have a vote of confidence from me. They're a great tool to put in your bag. If you're going to be painting those models, like pick up some Reaper mini models and just practice with them first, just so you know that way what the contrast paints do, just so that way you're not going into it blind and you have a 
good opportunity with it. I, I use not contrast paints, but I think the Army Painter Speed Paints on my stuff, but it's like the same principle, and they've been great. Uh, I use a, l a little bit of them on like cloaks or use of them. I'm actually using them on the blaze effect on my Orgoth, and I mean I'm happy with the result. I think they looks I think it looks great. I think it reads well, and it, it, it does what the intended purpose of it was. So yeah, they, they're great. Yeah. Um. Someone in chat, I think Stephen called out the uh the slap chop contrast method. Yeah, I I use that. In fact, I was uh playing around with that before somebody posted a video about it on youtube and i was like damn it i missed my chance um <laughs> but you're basically going to do a, a darker color primer um you do a zenith uh cast you can do like a a white coat but from the top down on your miniature so it looks like the sun is shining on the top of the miniature um and then you do contrast over that brushed on um and it has a really neat effect and it boosts the ability of the contrast to bring out the lights and it also reinforces all the shadows and all it takes is just one coat so it if you have an airbrush or just a bunch of rattle cans where you can kind of uh get those those full coats of solid colors done quick uh it's an excellent way to chunk through a bunch of miniatures very very quickly especially if you know they're all going to be the same colors here and there. And circling back to the original point, right? You're trying to find ways to enjoy the hobby, so that way it doesn't feel like a task or a monumental burden to have to go do. If you find these ways in order to go and speed it up, then there you go. Like that, that, that is your way to be able to enjoy it more. And then another model is painted, and you're ready to go do the next piece, or you're ready to go and do a piece of terrain, maybe you're ready to go and assemble something, and, and the sky's the limit that, at that point, so... Yeah, are, are there any other things we think we need to go talk about with uh, dealing with uh, burnout or like how to get back into it? Oh, um, and then talking with your community too. Uh, so oh, yeah. that that's huge. Uh, so we have a pretty active um, community in Discord. So uh, if you listen to our older podcasts when we were rebuilding the meta here in Delaware, um, we definitely advocate for community first, game second. Uh, but if you're ever feeling burned out or... Um, you know, sometimes I have root, right? So I'll throw root in my car and maybe we'll, yep, Samoa Cat's here. Say hi, Rai Rai. Um, <laughs> we're, we're a real live stream now, guys. The cat made an appearance. All right. Um, what was I saying? Oh, um, yeah. So reach out to your community and let them know, like, hey, I've been feeling kind of burned out with this. Do you guys want to play something else? So I think, like, right now we have a bunch of our War Machine players who are uh, – playing Iron Kingdoms. And we did that when the Mark IV announcement came out, right? So yeah. I know oh, I've, I've leaned on our community a whole lot when I'm starting to feel the, the burnout. Finding ways to mix it up is important. Having a conversation with your friends is important. Just just talking it out. Like, guys, I'm, I'm really getting over it with this painting thing recently. Just being able to express that and get it off your chest can be a great way to be able to close the door on that feeling and then you can you know then you can package that up and put it away and you can get back to the painting table the way that you really want to mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and even then so yeah. if you're talking about like that that painting thing or the games and stuff and you have that honest dialogue with the individuals they might be able to offer you advice the things that have worked with them right so i mean like dan and i were talking about using contrast paints in order to get through all your stuff right or going in through waves or you know as we were all talking about so i think having that dialogue is good and even then so it's like hey you know let's take a break from doing war machines maybe go see a movie or like let's all go out to what is that we, we go to that mexican restaurant after like a, a team <laughs> oh, you know, the the free to place next door yeah like we'll actually um like 
stop playing tournaments because we all just want to like go out and grab drinks and dinner together. Like we've done that instead of going a fourth round. We're like, all right, tiebreakers, let's go get some margaritas. That helps a lot. <laughs> I think the other thing that I, I think I want to stress is my most important bottom line for hobby burnout is that it's important for you to consider yourself and respect yourself. Everyone's an individual and everyone has their own limits. The guy next to you might be a studio painter and he might have a bottomless pit of energy and commitment and painting, but that's not you. And you need to identify what you want out of the hobby and what makes it special for you. Um, If you're no longer having fun doing your hobby, you're doing your hobby wrong. Um, That's basically the definition of why we do this. So keep true to yourself. Don't try to put out more than you think you want to. Don't try to uh, measure yourself by somebody else's standards because that's just going to end up increasing that burnout and end up making that problem worse for you because you'll never be someone else. You are who you are. And, And investing what you can into your hobby is the best measure of what you can put into it. I like that. I mean, we're getting into the closing remarks. Erica, do you have anything you want to go add with hobby burnout? Nah, I'm good, fam. Yeah, I, I was going to just say... Do you have anything? Oh. Do you have anything? Jeopardy theme song plays in the back. Is he coming back? Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. I have ADD. <laughs> um, I, uh, no, I, I think I'm good with this. I mean, I, whenever I have burnout, I switch to a different faction and I do something else. <laughs> I, uh, or I, uh, you know, you know, Erica knows how bad I am with trying to keep up with her latest TV shows that she wants to watch. And if it's more than one season, I can't sit through it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I can't sit still and do any one thing for any long period of time. So if I have burnout playing this game, I just go do something else. It's not a, it's not something I, I really generally struggle with. It's just something I choose to do. Yeah. I, I keep on saying is just have a diverse portfolio of what it is that entertains you and brings you joy. And I think that that'll be fine. You know, it might be doing your painting and that will bring you so much joy. But then like two weeks goes by and you're kind of over it. You want to take a break and don't force yourself to do more because then you're going to start to resent it. And that's not good for yourself or the hobby. Right. As Dan said, if you're doing your if you're not having fun doing your hobby, you're doing it wrong. So go play your video game or go take your walk or, or go do whatever it is that you need to go do in order to go and find that drive in order to go forward again. I think that'd be all right. Um, so, yeah, I think that 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 wrap overall wraps it up for this episode of tried and true we go ahead and just say that we don't shout out to all the patrons on patreon you know for your support thank you so much for all that and for everybody here on the live stream i mean we have so many people watching right now thank you for joining us and you know listening in and yeah yeah pa i was gonna say do you want to um open it up for like q a for maybe three or four minutes just yeah. if anyone has any general questions not that doesn't even have to be like about burnout, but just in yeah, general. sure. I mean, I'm, I'm alright with that. I got nowhere to go. Before we button up the burnout thing, I I, I like that idea, and we're going to do it before before we uh, transition. Though, um, if you guys are listening and you have any uh, of your own hobby tips on avoiding burnout, I'm sure the community would love to hear them. So please leave a comment at the uh, at the end of the show or uh, whatever, and tell us what you do to try and avoid burnout. Maybe maybe somebody can learn from that. Yeah. All right, chat. Y'all got any questions before we wrap this thing up? Get us. There's a 10 second delay. So we're oh, that's right. Yeah. I was like wondering why. why, why I hope you're not. No, don't be typing, Tim. Not, none from you. <laughs> <laughs> Getting called out. 
How dare you? How many people do we have right now? Oh, oh yeah. Um, thanks everyone for getting us to like a thousand subscribers. That's so cool. Um, I don't think I, that was even in the scope when like this first like thing right. was. Oh, I know. Is that why we're I doing know. this? <laughs> That's right. All for the views, right? <laughs> a little, little delayed, but you know. Well, the fans. Tim chimed in finally just to spite you. <laughs> he asked about Death Jack. Death Jack's okay. Um, Tim, I I played with Death Jack like twenty years ago when he was insane. I like his big hands. <laughs> when he would turn around and stomp on your caster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man, I am. I'm happy that I'm not playing Karchev and Death Jack Two anymore. To be completely honest with you. So are we. And so is everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so over it by now. I just wanted to play something else. I just got trapped in that as my best option. But a pretty, pretty cool, awesome model though. No, absolutely great model. Hands. All right. Well, um, I guess there's no question. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, I guess one hundred percent customer satisfaction right there. No questions. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Um, uh, we got one actually. How do you feel about the narrative stuff? Uh, we kind okay. of actually already answered that right in the um. Uh, we actually answered that right in the beginning. Yeah, we're we're. I think generally all of us are excited about the narrative stuff because of us kind of being burned out from doing Steamroller and that being the only option. I know that when playing this game differently it's just a different way to enjoy the game so i think all the narrative stuff is great i feel bad that oblivion happened and i know andy picked it up but like we never ended up playing it i feel like i'm so like Um, upset for never having that opportunity because you know i I think that would have been a great experience to go wait what's the announcement something just something just came out sam um somebody that's not me go to a web page and while we're trying to find that, um, I do want to say something about the the narrative steamroller. Um, a lot of complaints are going around about like, oh, I need a solo, and solos can't survive because blast damage and shit. Like are you that. Looking it up? The but War like, Machine app update is what it just said. Uh, yeah. Hey, I mean, like, we just all right. So we have officially approved the new build of the War um, Machine app. It'll go live Friday, March third. So that's going to be tomorrow at the time of this recording. And I guess that means that we're going to go ahead and start to get all the new fun stuff. That's great. Cool. Yeah. That's what the subscription. Um, the subscription yeah, I think so. Stuff? Ah, sweet, yes. But I am, I'm really excited for this uh, change in narrative steamrollers. I, I think if we can see some really dynamic changes in what that packet contains, um, you'll, you'll, that concern about oh my solos can't survive blast damage to score this flag, that's going to go right out the window. That's, uh, you know, it's going to really be a big game changer, and I hope it really like meshes well with the new design space of the new Mark IV factions and gives us a great reason to try and put new stuff on the table or to mix up what we're playing. Um, there's a lot there they could do, and I'm really hoping they give us something crazy fun. Oh, Erica, there's a question about the dinosaurs. Are you going to go riot? Uh <laughs> I just want to take the microphone away from her. <laughs> yeah, keep talking. He's uh he's salty because he loves Protectorate Amenoth. Um he like Andy really, really likes Protectorate. I really, really like dinosaurs. So uh you know me, I'm ride or die. If the dinos come out, I'm all about it. I'm I'm just gonna wait for the rest of the year, you know. Um I'm excited. I'm I'm just really hoping that there's dinosaurs, you guys. Like I really I really like dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Hador is going forward and gets gasoline, and uh, the rest of the world's going back to the, uh, like, what, plesiosaurs and the Jurassic period or whatever. I don't know. There's a bunch of science words. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to this. It'd be great. Yeah, uh, I was just going to say really quick. So, uh, 
plug for Nova, right? So for those that don't know um, or might not have heard yet, so Tried and True Delaware War Machine, we are running all of the uh, War Machine events this year at Nova. Um, tickets went on sale yesterday. And so pick up badges, tickets. If we sell out of events, don't worry. You get put on a waiting list. But if we do sell tickets for our events, um, there are extra tables in that hall that we can take. So it's kind of like first come, first serve. So if you're going to come, I'm not saying like don't get your tickets now. But if you do tickets now, there's a chance that we could get more table space. So I uh, hope to see you in D.C. Uh, we should have some more fun announcements, maybe some special guests that are coming. Um, it'd be a great time. We would love to play games with 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 everybody. And uh, yeah, come to Nova, guys. That's all I have. Thanks for uh, hanging out tonight. And thanks for helping us get to 1,000 subscribers. All right. Well, I think that that will go ahead and be the end of this episode of Tried and True. So for all of us that were hanging out with us this evening, thank you so much for you know your time. And I guess we'll catch you on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Thanks for coming, everybody. Night, everybody. Bye.